Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Good to have you here again on a wonderful day. God has prepared for us to know Him and to serve Him and to be obedient with Him once again in this place. If you're uh, joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. It's a ministry of uh, Raven Ministries International. If you want more uh, information on Raven Ministries, you're listening to this on a delayed broadcast or uh, somebody's giving you a CD, or if you listen to it live with us today, you can actually go to www.biggrace.com, B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E.com, and get information on the ministry. And we are doing an expository teaching on the book of Romans. And this is our, help me here, Deb. This is our 72nd class. I get amazed every time I, I give those numbers on that because it seems like we just we just got together and started studying the Word with one another. But this is our 72nd class. But if you've missed any of the other ones, you have not missed them. We make them available on our website by going to, once again, biggrace.com. And you can click on Raven Institute. And you can download all of those onto your computer free of charge in MP3 format. I found out yesterday you can actually burn. I burned all 71 classes on one DVD in MP3 format. That's 71 hours on one disc. And so it can be done. I, I had no idea that you could put that much audio in MP3 format on just one disc. And so it's got all 71 classes up to this point on one solitary disc. So that's amazing. I didn't realize you could do that. So I just I tried it out. So if you want those, burn them and take them with you. That's, I could only get about 22. I don't know how it works. This is just on one DVD. I got 71 hours of that teaching on it. So anyway, we can do that. If you want one of those discs, I'll burn you one just like it as those came, come available as well. You can just email me, Pastor Troy Raven at uh, BigGrace.com. Raven at BigGrace.com. Special, that brother said a special DVD and burner. I, I don't know if it's special. It's just the one that's in my computer. But it sure got all those classes in it. So I don't mind burning one for someone if they need a copy of that one with all those classes on it as well. Just contact me. Raven at BigGrace.com. Love to do it. Yeah. I don't know how special it is. But man, maybe there was a special anointing for burning or something on that. Just teasing. Anyway, the, the Bible says in Psalms 119.40. Don't you love the 119th Psalm? It says, Your word is very pure. Uh, your servant loves it. Now, do you love the Word of God today? What's, what's so great about the Word of God and the opportunity to serve it is it is so pure. You know, there's, uh, you, know you drink certain types of water. Here at, at our house, we have a well, and we don't drink our well water. We filter it or we buy Culligan water or whatever else because our water is just not very pure. And actually, we have to change the filter on a regular basis on the well. But still yet, it's got a funny color to it. And so we, 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 we like water that's, that's good and it's pure. And it's the same thing about the Word. The Word is, man, I tell you, it's the most refreshing drink that you can have. And it ought to be something that our servant loves. And also in the 119th Psalm, you can jump down to about 20 verses. It says, The entirety of your Word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. And that's the good news about the, the Word of God. You know, we sit here and we look at a canon of Scripture that is uh, several thousand years old. But you know what? It has not diminished in purity or in power and in, in, in authority. It's, it, we haven't had to say, you know what? There's some things that, that need to be changed with the times or the seasons. It's just, it stood the test of time. It, the entirety of the Word is truth. It is, it is something that has endured scrutiny. It's endured generations. It's endured wars. It's endured persecutions and all these things. It's endured. Why? Because it is, and we've talked about, it is that God-breathed Word that God has entrusted us. Also in the 169th, uh, 119th Psalm, you jump down two more verses. He said, I rejoice at your Word as one who finds great treasure. 
Folks, I don't know about you, but when I study the Word of God, sometimes I just kind of get happy. And it's because, man, you find that you're digging and you're digging and you're digging and the ground sometimes seems dark and, and hard. And you're thinking to yourself, man, am I going to get anything? And all of a sudden, just like a, uh, just like a, a uh, uh, one of the guys that was a, what, what do they call them, the 49ers that went to, to California to find gold. It's just like you're, you're, you're panning out in the stream and all of a sudden you find that treasure, you find that gold nugget in the Word of God. And that's the thing about His Word is. And so uh, uh, I, I guess I wanted to say, you know, welcome this morning to what we could call our daily exploration and adoration in the Word of God where we gather this, this really this glorious manna of truth that we can feast at the table of, of, of God's heavenly uh, bread from heaven and just enjoy what He has. And so, I, you know, I've been thinking if there's anything that should truly unite believers together, and this is an example of it. <laughs> Sister said, Eureka. Yeah, that's the way we ought to be when we bust up in the Word of God. But you think about today. Here we sit, and, you know, I'm obviously in Florida. We have folks here from Indiana and from Pennsylvania and from Texas and, and other places around the world. And what are we united uh, uh, united around? We're united around the Word of God because it's something that's not going to change. It can, we, we've got the source information. We've got something that is that heaven and earth may pass away. We're not we're not rallying around an organization. We're not rallying around some person's ideology. We are we are standing here together, unified by the Word of God because there's something that we can come to that that's the final word. That it, it, everything's decided upon that. You know, I teach in discipleship. If you don't have Bible, you don't have anything. And so our, our uh, philosophies and our teachings, unless they're, they're grounded upon the Word of God, it doesn't ma- matter how good they sound, how noble they sound, how spiritual they even sound, if they're not founded upon the, the, the great preponderance of the evidence of the Word of God, we, we cannot be unified against them. There's too many glitches and there, 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 there's too many gaps in it. So it, it should be uh, times of literally coming together and, and to taste and see that He's good as we study the Word of God and allow really the, te- the Holy Ghost to teach us and build up our most holy faith. One more uh, verse from uh, actually 133rd Psalm, 133.1. It says, How uh, good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And folks, really, there's only one place that we can have one accord. And that one accord of spirits that we saw in the book of Acts, and it's uh, at the place that does not change with the times or alter its message under the weight of public opinion. And that is the unchanging, inerrant, and God-breathed message of the Bible. And so we have that today. And another, Psalms 119 and 104 and 105. Psalms 119, 104, He said, Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, I've always loved that portion of Scripture in the 119th Psalm because what it does, it shows us that we have help going in and help coming out. You know, you hear me so many times that I come against false teaching. Why is that? It's because the Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's it. And because He's given us His precepts to His Word, I despise those things that are contrary to His Word or someone that, that tries to... to, to, to to say this is what the Word of God says and, and, and inject some type of erroneous doctrine. I'm, I'm very protective of this Word as it relates to my life and the ministry that God has, has entrusted me to. And I really encourage you to be the same. You know, it's back to that Acts 17:11 principle. The Brians uh, were more noble than the Thessalonians because they received the Word of God readily, but they searched the Scriptures to see if it was so. That they, uh, they, that they knew that through the precepts of God they got understanding. And as a result, when they saw something that did not line up with Scripture, 
Scripture. Uh, they didn't put up with it. They didn't coddle it. They didn't try to explain it away. They hated it. And we need to have that type of attitude. When something is erroneous, something is false doctrine, we don't need to say, well, just chew up the sticks, uh, chew up the grass and spit out the sticks. No, we need, to, we need to be repulsed by anything that's false teaching that is contrary to the Word of God that would try to add to what God has uh, given us uh, that as a result would add to the judgments that, that are in the Word. And so I, I know that God has given us understanding. He's given us a lamp unto our feet. What's good about that is that you know a lamp unto our feet speaks of, you know, He's given us a word for right where we're at. And some of you today need a word right where you're at. You need understanding right where you're at. You're at a place or at a position. You're at a point in your life or your ministry or whatever it may be, your circumstance, that today you need the illumination of God right where you're at. And so he said, it's a, it's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so not only is it the word for right now, but God's word is illuminating what's in front of you. It's, it's what provides your vision. It's what provides your hope. It's what provides and impresses you towards him and gives you understanding of the places that he wants for you so you can see down the road. And so you don't have to say, you know what, God, I, I don't have any idea where I'm going. Man, I know where I'm going. Why is that? Because I've got the word in front of me and I've got the word of God hidden in my heart that I will not sin against him, that I will not miss his prescribed order of victory for me and so I, I have what it is and I know many of you desire those things today and to have those things as well uh, once again thank you for joining the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies our expository class on the book of Romans this is what was it again 70, class 72 and folks we're going to be in the 6th chapter today if you're joining us for the first time and uh, beginning with verse 9 so if you've got your Bibles Ready and turned open to that. Welcome, Mel. I just saw Mel and you hop on here in the house as well. Uh, so Romans 6, 9 says this. What's that? Yeah, we are going to pray. Hallelujah. Let's pray again. I guess I was praying earlier, so I'm thinking everybody's already been on the same page. We're going to pray together as well. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come into your word and to know you, Lord God, and to understand your precept and to have the light of the word, Lord God, shown upon our hearts, Lord God, and to reveal what you want to speak to us. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, that we can be unified and united around the Word of God and the Word of truth, Lord God. And Father, you, you, you said, Lord God, that we, we need to, to get understanding, Lord God, and get unction, Lord God. That's what we want to have. We, we don't just want to be to take the Word in, Lord God, and just have it just die, Lord God, like, like seed on, on stony ground. But Lord God, we have got to get understanding of your Word. Father, I pray for those. Lord God, there's some that are... That are uh, that really struggle, Lord God, with just uh, uh, retaining the Word of God and getting an understanding and clarity. But, Father, you said you have given us the mind of Christ. And so I pray for healing, Lord God, of minds. Lord God, some of you have difficulty, Lord God, uh, learning disabilities, problem reading, or, or just uh, uh, difficulty in those things. And I'm asking for healing in the name of Jesus to come upon hearts and minds that you would just cause a quickening and an understanding of your Word uh, to come upon minds this morning in Jesus' name. Father, I just think of the testimony of my brother Todd. That, Lord God, for years and years that he, uh, he was basically a functionally literate. But when he got saved and got born again at 35 years old, you literally taught him to read in the King James Version of the Bible. That is such a Jesus thing. And, and now he preaches the gospel and he's a pastor and a minister, Lord Jesus. And I know that if you've done it for him, that you can do it for anyone. And it's you, Lord God, that are looking for people that are just willing. Even as we taught yesterday, Lord God, the, the Spirit goes about looking for them that he can show himself strong on behalf of, whose hearts are, are made perfect towards him, Lord God, that are complete. And we are complete in you, Lord God. You have called us perfect because of the blood of 
Jesus. Not because of our own works of righteousness, Lord God. Not because of our own deeds. But when you see us, Lord God, you see us complete in Christ Jesus. And I'm praying, Lord God, for the manifestation of that completeness in our understanding, Lord God, in our communication, in our comprehension, in all those things that we need, Lord God, to be able to, 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 to rightly divide the word of truth, Lord God, and retain those things for those moments that we need them in the name of Jesus. And I'm just asking, Lord God, for you just to cause, Lord God, that, that word to come alive and to be like a fire shut up in our bones. I pray for those that have been sick in body. I ask this, Lord God, for your, your intervention and your touch, Lord God, and your healing and your restoration. Lord God, we pray for so many. We have stacks, Lord God, of, of uh, prayer requests for people needing uh, healing from, from cancer, Lord God, and other sicknesses and diseases, Lord God, or find themselves in difficult situations. Lord God, our brothers and sisters in foreign countries that are praying just for a breakthrough of the persecution. Our friends in Pakistan and India, Lord God, in Africa and in Europe, Lord God, and in Germany and in Great Britain. Lord God, that they're suffering and going through many things. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that today would be a breakthrough day, Lord God, that your word would be just what it says it is, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths, Lord God. We thank you for this day. ask for your blessing, your power, your anointing upon it, Lord God. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord God, anything that would impede, Lord God, your presence or, or, or serve, Lord God, as anything that would keep us from knowing you and walking in faith, Lord God. Father, anything that would keep us from just walking in faith, Lord God, in Jesus' name, walking and living by faith, according to the book of Romans, verses 1 through 18, chapter 1, verses 15, 16, 17, 18, Lord God. Cause us, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, to know those things and, and to have a realization and intimacy with those things, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Romans chapter 6, verse 9. Boy, we are burning it up, guys. We are making some major headway. We was talking after we went off live yesterday about, you know, you want to you want to take the time to really get into the Word of God because there's so much in the Roman letter that we need to grab a hold of. And I just I just praise God for the opportunity to, to, to do this and to have the opportunity to really get, get, get into it on a daily basis with you myself and to uh, really feed off of one another. Appreciate your comments, the, the questions that, that come periodically. Uh, that, that challenge me to look deeper and to bring a, a greater understanding and to, to be able to clearly, more clearly communicate things to you. So if there's anything, that any time that uh, something just isn't crystal clear, please uh, email me or, or comment here and I'll try to do a better job and uh, ask God for a greater clarity and revelation of anything that doesn't come out uh, where you're able to say, yeah, I, I get what that says. So verse 9 of chapter 6 is where we're going to take off today. And it says, uh, Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more, and death has no more dominion over him. This is such, such a powerful verse. And you know, you, you're looking at it, and you, you kind of see it, and you think, okay. And we talked about yesterday just how much is in that. And there's so much right there in that that I, that I see what God is trying to say. And You know, when it says, Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead uh, dwells no more it, it's telling us a couple of things that we've got to keep in mind throughout our study in Romans and really on the entirety of the word of God in general and the first thing and you can put number one that it really is trying to teach us and we need to keep something in mind folks and it's this right here all of this, everything that we've discussed, and we've discussed some, some things that are challenging, some things that are really probably refreshing, uh, things hopefully that are, that are, that are God is just bringing a, a revelation to His Word to you in other areas that you haven't had before. And, but, but all of this that we've studied, every, every bit, and especially really kind of the, the summation of what's said here in verse 9, that knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more, death does not have dominion over Him. Uh, all of this, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, and really everything that Jesus did in the incarnation was completely and totally done for us, folks. You know, I, I don't think I can underscore the fact of just how much 
uh, God loves us. God just has such a deep love and such a, a, a desire for us to, to be with Him and to be in right relationship with Him. So everything that we've studied, it all it basically comes down to everything that Jesus did with every uh, the beatings that He took, with the humiliation that He had to suffer. Every single one of those things was done for you and I. And it's really, it really breaks my heart to think what He had to endure because of my wickedness. Because of what I brought upon him, that, that the, the, the chastisement of my peace was upon him, that, that he suffered as a result of, 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 of who I was and what I had done and what I was prepared to do apart from him. Folks, listen, every single thing that he did was because he loved us. God was not on some celestial power trip or, or, or trying to, uh, to, to, to make some show uh, for the, 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 the heavenly bodies. God did it because he loved you and I. And listen, if that, that great love that He has showed towards, towards us, I mean, folks, if that doesn't motivate you to just know Him and to love Him and want to draw close to Him and to, to reject the, 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 that, those winnowing cries of the sinful nature, folks, I don't know what will, you know, it, because, you know, it, it can't be a, a threat of punishment. That really can't do it. It can't be a uh, it can't be a promise of riches. It, it's got to be our motivation has got to come down to that God loved us so much, and so as a result of that, you know what I want to love Him. You know the, the Word of God says in First John chapter four verse seven and eight. It says, "Beloved, it said, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that lo- uh, loves not does not know God." For God is love. And so, really, the, the manifestation, everything we read and we've studied in these 72 classes, every bit of it is based upon and flows out of the love of God. When it says that, that, that Christ died and He dies no more, that death does not have dominion, folks, that's only accomplished as a result of the love that God has for you and I. And so we, we cannot lose sight of that. That, that it's, it's, it's not just to, to pat our pockets. It's not to make us feel better. It's, it's nothing. It's every, every motivation has got to be because I love God because He first loved me. And so from the time really that Adam fell and really brought a death sentence upon all humanity, God was immediately actually upon, at work uh, uh, for doing something that one day would bridge that gap and provide a way for man to return to a place of right standing with Him. And really, let me back up. Actually, it was before the fall. You know, Jesus is called the Lamb slain before the foundations of the world. And so uh, what, what God did is he, he made a way regardless of what we would do. And He's always been one step and ten steps and a hundred steps ahead of us is whatever it is. So if you find yourself in, in difficult situations, guys, you've got to know that, that God loves you. You know, I, I have two children that if, if they don't know anything else, they'll know that Dad loves them. That, that Dad will, do, that will pull out all the stops. Dad will do without himself. Dad will, will make whatever he can for provision, for mercy. For them, because of my love for them, there's nothing I would ever want to do to them that would that would bring destruction. But at the same time, I, I I know my children have a free will, and even though they're going on 17 and 20 years old, they know that as well. Dad's there for them. I'm going to give them all the counsel and give them every opportunity to, to choose that. But if they don't, they're never going to be able to say, "Listen, I, I had to suffer these things because my dad did not love me." They'll have to say, I, I suffered these things because my dad loved me, my mother loved me, they taught me the truth, and I did not do what they say. Folks, it's the exact same thing with God. God loves us. He gives us every single opportunity. He invites us into His home, so to speak, to live with Him. And He says, listen, 
Here is gonna, here's what you've got to do in order to reap the, the, the benefits of our relationship. If you do not do them, there's going to be consequences to be paid. And folks, listen, that's what humanity is doing, is paying the consequences. We see the destruction. We see heinous crimes. We see uh, senseless acts of unmerciful things by unmerciful people. That's because people refuse to obey what God said. And so, folks, I hope that you can grasp this, that there is nothing uh, in what Jesus has done even literally before his physical death, that, that was not done in an effort to provide reconciliation for us. And so even before Jesus was made manifest in the incarnation, even because uh, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he is, everything that was made was made by him, through him, uh, even before the incarnation, every single thing that has been done is done to reveal our, his love to us and to reconcile us back unto the Father. So his, his, his birth, his life, his ministry, his death and resurrection were literally that divine plan that would satisfy the consequences of, of death and enable you and I to return to that rightful place of being heirs together with Christ Jesus. And so everything that God does is because He loves us. It's not, once again, because He's on a celestial power trip or anything like that. It's because He is providing a way that transcends our comprehension or, or our ability to even understand those type of things. So when people try to argue and say, well, if God is just so good and so merciful, then why would He ever condemn someone to hell that just simply did not believe in or know about Jesus. Folks, uh, Satan has really has sullied the understanding of mankind for so long that we have really forgotten that it was us through uh, Adam's fall and our continued rebellion against righteousness that condemned us to an everlasting punishment. We were the bad guys in all of this. You know, and we many times we want to point fingers at God and say, why would God do this? God, why would God? Folks, listen, God did not do that. God set out a plan. Man rebelled against that. God, uh, in His mercy, has provided a way out. Now think about this in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 14 through 20, as we're studying Romans 6, 9. If you're just tuning in with us. Good to have you, Gisborne. Good to have you this morning from Great Britain. Uh, but we're studying in, uh, chapter 6 of Romans, verse 9, and knowing that uh, Christ was raised from the dead, and death does not have dominion over us. And here's why. The, the Bible says in John, chapter 3, verses 14 through 20, it says, As the Lord lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Obviously, that's talking about the cross. And when Moses lifted that up, when the people had been literally snake bit and were dying, uh, that he gave them it was a, type, uh, a type of Christ or a, uh, a shadow of things to come. And so just as that would happen, Christ has to be lifted up. And it says in verse 15, whatsoever, whos, That whosoever believes in him would not perish, but they would have eternal life. Then it comes back to what we're talking about. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so back to the motivation. Everything that motivates God flows out of love because God is love according to 1 John 4, 7 and 8. And it says, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him uh, might be saved. And he that believe on, believes on Him is not condemned but he that believes not is condemned already. In other words, they were condemned from the beginning. Once the fall hit, condemnation came. And so man's destiny, because of man's decision, became man's destruction. And, and so he that believes not on him is condemned already because he did not believe in the name of the only begotten Son. Then in verse 19 it says this. Here's the, the condemnation. Here's really, folks, the judgment. That light is come into the world. And we talked about that to open the, the, the class today out of Psalms 119. That light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. 
His word, what? Is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my uh, path. Uh, his word is very pure. Therefore, uh, your servant loves it. Psalms 119 and 140. And so the light comes in and man, rather than receive the light, the truth of God's word and say, listen, man, this is an illumination. This is a purity. There's something in this that, 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 that this fulfills me, that this brings a change and a transformation in my heart and in my life. And folks, I sit here as a testimony of that for, for 22 years, uh, of the last 22 years of my life, walking and understanding and grabbing hold of that light. And so it's nothing that I, I came to just in the last few minutes or in the last few months. But I, I saw the, the flip side of that. I saw really heaping in myself the, the rewards of, of this earth and, and desiring after the things of the flesh. And there was no fulfillment. There was just a, a continuation of, of trying to find something, of trying to find something, or trying to justify where I was at, or trying to validate where I was at. And it, I just never could come up with that. But when I stepped out of the realm of my own understanding, I said, God, you've got to give me understanding. If you're real, if you're there, I, I, I need to know you in reality. And what did he do? He said, those that seek me will find me. And I, and I did that. It wasn't an easy task. It, it wasn't something that happened overnight. But it was something that happened. It was a change in the transformation. Literally, my eyes were, were open in a, in a to, totally different realm. And my motivation changed. My motivation became, you know what? Man, I want to flow in the same love that God has. I want to flow in the same compassion and understanding and in the mercy that God has as well. So, uh, But the Word of God says in verse 20, right there in John 3, 3.20, it says, Everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Uh, what it's saying is when we're living in that condition, when the light comes, listen, it's, 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 there's not just a, a, a casual or a passive uh, resistance to it. What happens is when, when, I'm, when I was living in error, when I was living under my, my, the, the auspices of my, my own desires, there was a hatred that I had towards the light. I didn't want anybody telling me it. I, I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to believe it. Why? Because what it did, it illuminated the, the, really the warts upon my soul, those things in my life that were contrary to the will of God. And so the reason that people hate Jesus, the reason that people hate the gospel and hate you for serving Jesus is because they really do not want to acknowledge the fact that they're wicked and sinful and in need of the mercy of God. And that's what it comes down to. And it's built really upon that very thing that caused Lucifer to fall and the same thing that caused Adam and Eve to fall. And it's really pride. And that's what it comes down to, folks. It's pride. I did not want to come to God and believe what God said because of pride. I thought, you know, I, I knew the way out. I had the solution. I had the answer. But it was really my own pride. And you think about it, Look at this. And this is out of Isaiah chapter 14. Verses 13 through 15. Isaiah 13, uh, 14, 13 through 15. And this is when Lucifer fell and obviously became Satan. And it says in verse 13 of Isaiah 14, it says, uh, speaking of him, describing uh, the condition of Lucifer, who was an angel at one time, who, who was right there in the presence of God. But he says, he said in his heart, he said, I will ascend unto heaven and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Stars of God speaking of the angelic host. I will sit upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. And he said, I will be like the most high. Yet, in verse 15, it says, Yet you have, brought, you have been brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. In other words, your destiny is there for you. So what was, what was Lucifer's sin? It was, it was pride. It said, you know what? I'm going to be like God. And, and what is it, folks? You know, how many times do we say in ourselves that we want to be like God? You know, we may not say it in that term, but in our actions we do that. What, what God is, God is the, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. 
But how many times in our refusal just to believe what God says, we want to become the author and the, fuse, uh, the finisher of our own faith or our own fate in many cases. And so we want to call our own shots. And what is that saying? That's pride. That's saying, listen, God, I've got it figured out better than you do. I can find an answer uh, that's deeper than you, that, that, that I'm going to receive bigger than you or better than you or, or uh, 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 a greater proof or whatever else. That just becomes pride and it lifts us up and says, you know what, I'm going to get above God. And I'm not, I'm not going to humble myself and believe God and, and call upon His mercy. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, you know, you know what? Uh, either I'm going to be above God or I'm just going to uh, fail to acknowledge that there even is a God. And so it was, uh, it was Satan's uh, rebellion uh, which was birthed out of pride to say, I want to be like the Most High. Now, now look, at the, uh, look at that thing that kind of keeps following into to creation and into to mankind. And this is out of Genesis chapter 3. Uh, verses 2 through 5. Genesis 3, 2 through 5. And same, same exact spirit, same exact temptation and its pride. Same thing that's going on here in 2007. It says, The woman said to the serpent, uh, Yeah, we may eat from the trees of the garden, uh, but God said, Do not eat from the, tree, uh, from the fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, because I don't want you to touch it, because when you do, you will die. And so he had given Adam and Eve, the, the, the first of all creation, uh, uh, Dominion. He had given them a place of dominion over all the garden. But he just said one thing. He said, all I'm telling you to do, he said, I'm going to give you everything else, but I'm telling you not to eat of that particular tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat of that. He said, because when you do, the consequence will be if you, you will die. And so it had been established. God had given that's the That's the only rule he gave them. That's, that's the, the, the one thing he said that is off limits to you. But now listen to what happened when, when, when the serpent came speaking that embodiment out of, of the voice of Satan, that same type of voice. And here's what he said. He said, You will not surely die, uh, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so, he, he, what did he tell him? He said, you're, you're not going to die. He said, what's going to happen is that you're, uh, you're going to be able to be just like God. What did he desire back in Isaiah chapter 14, uh, verse 14? He said, I want to be like God. And he's telling them, you'll be like God as well. And so, did, did, they, did they die? Did they die a physical death? Well, that's not what God was even speaking of. He was talking about spiritually. When Adam and Eve were created, even in a physical body, they were created that that body would not even perish. But as soon as that happened, what happened? Death came upon them. And from that moment, you know, uh, Adam lived uh, to be, I think it was 960 years. But actually, he was created to live for all eternity. He was made in the image of God, and he was made with the attributes of that, 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 that eternal ability. But as soon as he did, death began to reign upon him. Now, you could say to me today, am I dead? You know, no, but I'm dying every single day. Uh, you know what? I lose a little bit more hair. I get a little bit more wrinkled, and my, my physical body becomes more challenged. I'm racing towards that death sentence. And so when he told them, he said, listen, you're gonna, uh, don't eat of it or you will die. You know, they might have thought that their heart was going to stop, but that's not what God meant whatsoever. Death is going to come upon you. And so what we see today here in 2007, all these years later, they, there was a spiritual death that has come upon people. And, and listen, there is a death. Look at the things that are happening. Look at just the heinous nature and the repulsive things that, that even, even people that, that don't know God, people that don't acknowledge Jesus, they'll look at them and they're repulsed by the things that happen. Folks, there it is. There is that death. It is the stench of death that has come upon humanity. You know, the, 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 the mass killings, the, the uh, uh, rapist and, and child molestation, and all these, these things that, that we're repulsed by. 
Folks, listen, that's the consequences of a spiritual death that came upon mankind. And that's exactly what happened. And so what man has continuously sought to do is to remove God from the equation and somehow uh, uh, nullify or circumvent uh, his own trans, uh, transgressions against God. And so what has happened is he's created a God after his own design. And, and that's what's happened. Because God, uh, because man did not want to acknowledge God or obey God, what's exactly happened is that uh, he's created a, a man after his, uh, his own desires, his own will. He's created a, a God after paganism, after spiritualism, humanism, skepticism, legalism, Darwinism. And all these things have done is this created a... Uh, a, a, a schism uh, and it's brought a greater schism between themselves and really the only true answer for mankind and that's Jesus Christ and the message of the cross and so what's happened and you know thank you so much I'll, I'll read that as soon as I get a chance we finish this up in an hour and I will check that on your website thank you so much Gisbrin who's business today and so man through pride fell away from God and chose to be the enemy against him and it's that same pride today that prevents men from bowing their knee in faith to Him and saying, God, I failed and I have a need of mercy and forgiveness. And, and so it's, it's not really changed, folks. Uh, it's, it's the same thing. It's man, when they're confronted by the truth, when they're confronted by the light of, of God's presence and His Spirit, really, which is all back motivated, what we're talking about here in Romans 6, 9, motivated by God's great love and that God uh, sent His Son Jesus to die and to suffer those things. Uh, man does not want to see those things. Why? Because with every revelation of truth, with every word that's been spoken, with, with everything that, that we see... Uh, it just reveals the, the error of man's way. And so what does man do? Back to what I said. He's created a guy, a God after paganism, spiritualism, humanism, skepticism, legalism, or Darwinism. But it's continued to build that schism between man and God. And so, uh, yet they'll say, if God be God, then, then prove it by showing yourself to me. You know, I hear people say that. Our, our friend that was here with us just a minute ago, who, who is a, he's an atheist author out of the, uh, Great Britain, a very, very nice guy. Uh, very uh, respectful in most cases, and you know I, I enjoy the dialogue that we have. But uh, he, their their constant thing is, well, approve prove God, and and they'll say, you know what, God, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on record, and God, if you're God, prove it, show up. Now, now, folks, I wanna I wanna ask you a question. You have people say that all the time, but God's God, well, just show yourself to me. People say things like that. Do you know what keeps God from doing just that? You know what keeps God from, from revealing Himself or just showing up in that type of fashion and manner to, to an atheist? Anybody have any idea what keeps God from doing that? Huh? She said them. It's the same. It, folks, listen. We think it's our sin. We think it's, it's really God's love. God's love keeps God from doing that. And I'm, I'm going to show you that. And why does it not? Because why doesn't God come face to face with the doubters and scoffers and just show them His, his presence and His glory and just how magnificent it is? It's, it's because He loves them. Because, folks, to, to stand in the, in the presence and glory of God Almighty in the state or condition of fallen man would totally destroy them. You can't. Hebrews 10.31 said it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If, if He showed up like they say, they would totally be consumed, body, soul, and spirit, by the presence of God. But because God loves us, He, he withholds that from us. I want to give you an example of this, of God's great love. Now, you know, you know Moses. Moses was a man that was meek. He was a man that had much wisdom. He was a prophet of God. He was a deliverer of the, the children of Israel. But there was something missing from the equation. I'll answer that, I'll, and I'll show you what it was here in just a minute. Exodus chapter 33, verses 17 through 20. 
Check this out. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you just how much God has always loved us and how much He's always designed, even before the incarnation, to bring reconciliation back to man. And how much that promise of His death, burial, and resurrection that we're talking about here in verse nine of Hebrews six is. And the Lord said to Moses, He said, I will do the very thing that you ask. I'll do whatever you ask of me, because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. And, the, and Mo, then Moses said, He said, God, show me your glory. So what did Moses want to see? He wanted to see the manifest glory of God. And the Lord said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name. The Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Now, folks, do you, you see what he said? He said, I want, Moses said, God, I want, to, I want to see your glory. But instead of his glory, he told him, he said, listen, I, I can't do that. He said, I can't do that because if I showed up in the way that you're asking, you could not live. And so what did he show him? He said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. Folks, you know, listen, for the unbeliever, for the atheist, for the person that does not walk in, uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ, for every single one of us before we uh, gave our hearts to Jesus, that's who we were. We were saying, God, you know what, if you be real, if you're this or that, show me yourself. And so what did God do? God showed up in his goodness and in his mercy. And so we, we could not stand in that presence. And so God through grace, and that's why we're drawn to Him by grace, the divine influence of God upon the heart and its reflection in our life. And so what God has done, just like with Moses, He put Him and He, he hid Him in the cleft of the rock. And folks, you know what? We stand here and He said, Upon this rock I will build my church. That's Jesus. And so we've been hidden in, in the cleft of the rock. And what God does in, 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 in different times in our life, He'll come by and He'll reveal His goodness. He'll, he'll reveal His goodness to the, the, to the crack addict. He'll reveal His goodness to the alcoholic. He'll give, reveal His goodness to the humanist. He'll give, reveal, his, uh, reveal His goodness to the murderer. He'll reveal His goodness in all those things, showing the, the, His goodness and passing by why we're hidden, why we're protected by the cleft of the rock. Now, if, if it, it was his mercy upon, uh, the mercy of God upon Moses that kept God from revealing himself in the fullness of his glory at that time. And now, let's, let's, let's fast forward 1,600 years to Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. Matthew chapter 17, 1 through 7. And it says, After six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John, his brother, and brought them up into a high mountain apart from everyone else. And he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine like the sun and his raiment or his clothing was white as the light. And it says, There appeared unto him, who? Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, is it, it, is it good for me to be here? He said, I will. But he said, let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. So Peter, when, when the glory showed up, he's like, Lord, is it a good thing for me to be here? And folks, I tell you what, if, you know, sometimes you say, God, I, if you're just here, I just want you to show up. You know, if he showed up in that way all the time, we would say to ourselves, man, is it a good thing? Or is it safe for me to be here? That's what uh, Peter actually meant. It says, but yet while he spoke, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of a cloud said, this is my beloved son, speaking of Jesus, in whom I am well pleased. Hear you him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were very afraid. And Jesus came and touched them. And said, uh, he said, Arise, do not be afraid. Folks, listen, here's what happened right there. Moses, 1,600 years prior to this, said, God, show me your glory. Now, 1,600 years fast forward, what did he get to see? He got to see the glory of God. I told you when I mentioned Exodus chapter 33 that there was something missing from the equation when he asked. What was missing from the equation in Exodus 33? Jesus. The manifestation, the incarnation of Jesus. Folks, the only thing that allows us 
to stand in the presence of God, to see the, the glory of God, is the presence of Jesus in our life. Apart from Jesus being there, we'll be consumed by the wrath of God. Jesus has become that buffer. He's the one that is able to divert the wrath of God because He embodies the mercy of God and the love of God. Do you see that? Do you see how much He loves us? That He loves us so much that even when we say, God, show up and, and destroy me, basically is what we're saying. God's saying, I'm not going to do that because I love you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to cause my goodness to pass in front of you. Folks, just think about that just for a minute this morning. Man, the goodness of God, when we deserve His wrath, when we deserve His judgment, when even we as believers, knowing Him, we've tasted and seen how good that He is, rather than allow just the, 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 the unimpeded presence of God that is going to visit upon us wrath, what does He do? It's shielded by the mercy of the nail-scarred hands and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He causes His goodness, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Folks, listen, that wasn't just for David in the 23rd Psalm. That's for you and I right here on the what the 13th of, of September in 2007. Surely, goodness and mercy. Why, why can we say that? Because surely we know what we deserve. Regardless of, of how good we are, the things that we do, or whatever ministry title that we have, we know that at the end of the day, all we deserve in and of ourselves is the wrath of God. But surely, goodness has come upon us that He has caused the goodness of God to pass in in front of us. He has caused His mercy to be made manifest for us that we might know Him in the only way that we can know Him and that's through the embodiment of mercy which is through that death, burial and resurrection knowing that Christ being raised from the dead that, that and, and dead, He dies no more that death has no more dominion. And so death cannot come upon us. That thing that if we eat from it we'll surely die. What has He done? He has tasted, the, he has tasted death for us. He has allowed that death that would come to us from the fall to be instead upon Him. He has injected that He has nullified the effects of our pride, of our unbelief, of our wickedness, of our bitterness, of our lasciviousness. All those things that have come upon us, He has stood as the buffer zone. And He is, just as Exodus 33.19 says, He has been the goodness that has passed in front of us. And again, I want to, I want to read 1 John 4. But I'm going to jump down to verse 9. 1 John 4, verse 9-19. through 19. And it says, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent His only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Why did He send His Son? That we might live. Come on, folks. He said, Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Because if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. No, we, we have not been able to see Him. If we had seen Him in his, the fullness of His glory, we would have been consumed by His wrath. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and His love therein is perfected in us. Hereby we know uh, that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. So whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God will dwell in Him, and He in God. No longer will we be separated by Him. And we have known and believed the love of God that God has towards us, because God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we might have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him, because he first loved us. Folks, you know what it is when we come to Jesus? It's, it's just like when, when uh, Peter, James, and John fell on their faces there at the Mount of Transfiguration. 
says that Jesus came and He touched them and He said, Arise and do not fear. Folks, listen, when Jesus Christ comes in, just like we're talking about here in the book of Romans, when He comes in and He touches you through your faith and through your repentance and through your, your, your trust and your belief in Him, what happens? No longer do you, will it become a fearful thing. What do we say? A fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God according to Hebrews 10.31. But what it becomes is arise because I love you. I'm, I'm taking you into myself. No longer is there going to be a separation. No longer is there going to be distance between us. No longer is there going to be division. No longer are there going to be those schisms. But I've, I've welcomed you into myself and, and, and I, you've embodied me and I've embodied you. I've come into you and you've come unto me through faith in that. So it's totally and for us that Jesus went to the cross. And so when He's talking to us and He's telling us if, 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 if uh, knowing Christ be raised from the dead dieth no more, death has no more dominion over Him. And, and that, that Him is also talking about us because we are in Him. We, we are no longer dominated. We, that dominion is no longer in our life. And so when no man comes to the Father except through Him and His death once again has absorbed the wrath and the punishment for us who would be willing to believe. And so don't forget what we learned in Romans 1, 17 and 18. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it's written, the just shall live by faith. How? The just shall live by faith in Jesus. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now think about this. Righteousness is revealed in Jesus. Do you hear me? Righteousness is revealed in Jesus. Wrath is revealed in rejecting Jesus. Okay, that's what it says right there. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteous men who do not hold the truth in righteousness or hold the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, when they hear the truth, they reject it. What have they done? They have, they have removed the goodness that's passed before them. And what they're saying to themselves is, God, I'm willing to stand before you in my pride. I'm willing to stand before you unbuffered uh, uh, from, from your presence. I'm, I want to stand before you and I want you to lay your complete wrath upon me because I reject the only thing that will serve as a buffer. Folks, that's exactly what people do who reject Christ, who hear this message of salvation, who hear the truth of God's Word. They are saying, I want you to deliver a death blow upon me. But folks, listen. What did he say? He said, so as he is, so we are in the world. Look at verse 17 again. 1 John 4.17 He said, uh, because as He is, so we are in the world. Folks, listen. What we are is we become, through the preaching of the gospel to the lost, we become that buffer of goodness that He causes to pass before them. Now, folks, how will they know unless we preach? How can we preach unless we're sent? And so if we think for a minute that, that God's going to do something, listen, He's going to hold us accountable. He tells us in Ezekiel chapter 3 and in verse uh, uh, chapter 33. He said, I've made you the watchman. I've made you the buffer. I've made you the goodness that will pass in front of them. But He said, if you do not warn them from the wickedness of their way and they die, or they, they, they have to face me with, with, with my wrath unimpeded by the goodness of Jesus Christ, He said, they'll die. He said, but I'll I'll count their blood upon your hands. Folks, we have such a responsibility for the Father because He said, so as I am in you, you are in this world. And so He has given us, there's that ministry of reconciliation that came through the death that that broke the dominion of the sin nature. The sin nature is always wanting to be in pride. The sin nature is always just wanting to to get it for ourselves. You know, people say in church, listen, I'm going to go and I'm going to get mine. 
Folks, I've already got mine. I got mine when Jesus showed mercy upon me uh, over 22 years ago and He came in and changed and transformed my life. I, I've, got, I've got mine. And what I've got mine is from Him so we can go and be that buffer. We can be the goodness and mercy that passes before other people as we go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. We have that message that, that, that is going to remove the wrath of God and that indictment and that death sentence that came upon humanity uh, at the, when Adam and Eve fell in the garden and their transgression has been in, in visited upon generations and generations and generations ever since then. But He came in and He has given us that responsibility and that ministry as the goodness that passes before them. I hope you're getting that. And our motivation has always got to be, I, I love Him because He first loved me. And if I love Him, I'm going to do His works. The Bible says, how can we say that we love God and we do not keep His commands? We, if we can't keep the command of, of Mark 16, 15, to, to emphatically go into all the world and preach the gospel, folks, listen, the love of God has surely not been revealed in our hearts. And we need to start questioning our motivation. If we're not motivated by the same thing that motivated Jesus when He hung up on the cross, we are not crucified with Christ. When Christ was crucified on the cross right here when it talks about here in, in Romans 6-9, listen, that should be what comes upon us. That should be back. We should be reflective of His, His nature. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live to His glory. I live to His, I live to His glory. I live to, to bring glory to Him. I, 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 I live to be that glory that, that Moses desired to see in Exodus chapter 33 and what he finally got to see in Matthew chapter 17 and what we're seeing here right here on in, in, in 2007, we get to be that one that is, is the, the revelation of His glory to a lost and dying world. They're able to touch them with the Word of God that's sweet and good, that is, that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and say, Arise, don't be afraid. You don't have to fall into the hands of the living God in the area of, of wrath. Why? Because He's inscribed you on the palms of His hand when He hung upon the cross of Calvary. And we're here to preach the message of those nail-scarred hands to a lost and dying world. And so folks, this, rever- this verse really reveals that everything Christ did was totally and 100% for our benefit. And so, number two, it also demonstrates something else. It demonstrates that the work was total and complete and that His death was enough for all men and for all time and for anyone that would repent and believe. And it wasn't His death, folks. I've got, I got to say this. It wasn't His death plus our works that got it done. It wasn't His death plus our dis, or His additional suffering in hell or at the hands of the devil as uh, many Word of Faith teachers uh, try to say that the cross wasn't enough. It was the cross and the cross alone that provided the atoning work of redemption for all that would stand with Him on their own Mount of Transfiguration. Folks, listen. Every single one of us will have our Mount of Transfiguration. You hear me? We're going to have it. And, and, and we're going to, the glory of God is going to show up. We talked about this a few lessons ago. I believe it was in Lesson 68 last Friday when we talked about when grace comes. Well, grace comes. Grace comes just like what uh, Peter, James, and John saw on the, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17. Grace becomes that divine influence. It becomes like that light shining, that, that momentary glimpse of, of what they saw that day. Now, folks, we're going to respond. Every single one of us is going to respond the same way. We're, we're, we're going to be impacted by that. Now, how we respond to that impact is one of two things. He told them, he, said, he, he, told them, he touched them, he said, Arise, do not be afraid. Now, they, could have, they, did, they did one thing. They did arise and were not afraid. But they could have stayed down and said, Listen, we want to stay afraid. And, folks, that's what grace does for us. When it comes, when the, when the message of the cross comes, 
It's our mount of transfiguration. So when the message of grace comes, and He comes and He touches us, He touches us through, through somebody witnessing, through a testimony, through just the convicting of the Holy Spirit. He touches us and He says, listen, I want you to rise. But the only way that we can arise is through faith in the blood of Jesus. Herein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So we, 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 we get to rise up through faith. That's how we rise. As, as He was lifted up, if Jesus be lifted up, so He will draw men to me. And so that's our mount of transfiguration, every single one of us. We call it being born again. We call it getting saved. But listen, that is our transfiguration opportunity to arise in Christ Jesus and see our enemies scattered. But if we don't, if we stay, what are we bound by? Now we have spirit, we're walking in fear, in, in the fear of the fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so it's the cross that provided us our, our, our Mount of Transfiguration experience. But it's up to us according to our free will on how we're going to respond to that, that thing. And so the second part of that verse says this. It says, Now death has no more dominion over him. And so, folks, death basically is just meaning something deadly. It's a, it's a deadly thing. It's something that can kill, it can destroy. And so, uh, and the word dominion is to be ruled or lorded over by something. So, just as death no more had dominion or, 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 or the ability to lord over him, over Jesus Christ at the resurrection, folks, it, it no longer has that ability to lord over us to, and have that type of empowerment over your life and over my life. And what dominion speaks of here is that sin nature and its dominion or dominance over us. And so when it, when it says, and I want to read that, it says, uh, no more death has dominion, that, that death is not just talking about the effects of sin or the, or the, 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 the individual sin. What it's talking about is, is that, that death or what sin has, what's the wages of sin is death. And so, that the wages of that no more can come back and try to get us to pay for those things. As His goodness and mercy passed before us, what happened? All those things landed upon Him on the cross of Calvary. And so they can't come to us. But what happened? When He, when he died, those things were upon Him. But when He rose again, He rose again and He defeated death, hell, and the grave once and for all. Death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? Uh, death has been swallowed up in the victory. And this is the victory that overcomes even our faith. And so, but prior to that, this thing, this dominion, it had dominion over our thoughts. It had dominion over our understanding. It had dominion over our ambitions. It had dominion over our, our desires. And so when we see people come and they visit our Bible study, listen, what's, what we're seeing is people that, that death, that the death of sin has dominion over their understanding. That's exactly what that is. Their, their understanding is, is clouded. They're, 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 they're bound. And Ephesians 4, 17-20 puts it this way. It says, I tell you this and insist on it. Now listen to this. He said, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their own understanding. Paul told the church at Ephesus just what we're talking about. Listen, he said, I'm telling you something. I've got to insist on it. He said, do not live like the Gentiles do who, who, who are walking in the futility of their own understanding. He said, because they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. He said they've lost all sensitivity and they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity which with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Jesus Christ in that way. Folks, listen. He said this and I'm saying the exact same thing and I, got, I really have got to insist on it. 
Stop trying to walk in the futility of your own understanding. You cannot do that. If you walk in the understanding of your own, the futility of your own thinking, what's going to happen is you're going to be governed by everything that you see. If there's not enough money, you're going to be governed by that. If, if you don't feel well, you're going to be governed by that. If, if circumstances, if the weather's bad, you're going to be governed by that. Whatever your storm is, whatever your circumstance is, what you're going to be done, you're going to, it's, it's futile. There's, 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 there's a futility. God, how am I going to get this done? You're not going to get it done. He caused goodness to pass before us. Folks, listen. Just as sure we're sitting here, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. But what happens is we, we begin to, to, to go into the futility of our own thinking. What happens is, once again, we move out of that illumination. And I opened it intentionally out of Psalms 119 that His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. When we stop depending and having faith upon the Word, what happens? We move back into that darkened place of our own understanding. And what happens is now we become separated from the life of God because we are once again walking in ignorance and, and, and we, our hearts are hardened. Folks, listen. I've got to say this and I've got to insist on it in the Lord. Do not walk as the heathen do according to your own understanding. Don't say, I can have a little bit of cross Listen, death will no longer reign. It, it, uh, it, it's, he don't have to die anymore. He's done it. Don't try to crucify Him every single day and say, God, well, you need to die for this situation. Or tomorrow, you need to die for this or this need or that circumstance or this relationship. We can't do that. That's the futility of our thinking. We've got to know that God is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him, that we are maintaining, we are standing firm upon the rock, and if we are built upon Christ Jesus, that, that death will not have dominion over us, that sin nature, those, that, that winnowing cry of the flesh will no longer be able to, to, to draw us in and to, to hold us captive to those things. Folks, listen. He has defeated those things. We have had our mount of transfiguration. Now rise and be not afraid. Folks, we are totally out of time today. I hope you're getting this. And, and you know, uh, Some of these may take on a more serious note and hopefully they're all, they all take on that note. But listen, we've got to come to that place that everything God did for love was because of love. And He has shielded us from His wrath. And we are in the midst of Him passing by us with compassion. He has injected through the incarnation His Son Jesus into the equation. And folks, listen, don't be afraid. He said, fear not, I've called you by name. You're mine. We're totally out of time today. I've got some advice to you as I do every single day. Get into God's Word. And God's Word will get into you.